Welcome to Torah Talk, a program that challenges 2,000 years of misunderstanding and neglect of the Torah, God's law. In this show, we will be threshing ideologies by examining these scriptures in their Hebraic contexts. Our goal is to separate the wheat from the chaff, the truth from misconception. This program is sponsored by The Harvest, a Messianic Charismatic Congregation in Thornton, Colorado. Lovers of the Torah, thank you for choosing to listen to Torah Talk. I'm your host, Pastor Mark. It's great to be with you again. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing on the Torah portion, Shoftim, translated Judges. Now, it's in this portion that a second and greater Moses is prophesied to come and lead Israel into all that God has promised. The big question, of course, is, did that second Moses ever come? And if so, who was he? Well, that subject matter is going to be addressed in this show. I think you're going to find it intriguing, to say the least. Keep in mind that this is a midrash and is not to be construed as a doctrinal statement or theological treatise on the subject. I'm simply wrestling with the passages to better inform you as well as myself, and I reserve the right to change my mind on my own ideas as I grow in the grace and knowledge of the Messiah. I'm going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 18 and primarily verses 14 through 19. And I'm going to read from the JPS translation of the Tanakh. So let's pick up the reading. This is Moses, and God is instructing the people of Israel through Moses concerning going into the promised land. They're going to go in and dispossess many of the nations as they settle into the very land that God has given to them, that God has promised to them. Verse 14, those nations that you are about to dispossess do indeed resort to soothsayers and augurs. To you, however, the Lord has uh, the Lord your God has not assigned the like. So uh, they're going to go in among these ancient pagan people who use sorcery, magic, augurs, uh, uh, astrology. They use a number of mechanisms to try to tap into and interact with the spiritual realm. God says, don't do that. That's not for you. Verse 15, the Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet from among your own people like myself, him you shall heed. In other words, God's saying, I speak to you through my prophets, primarily Moses, but then all the other prophets that are under Moses, right? It's through them that God reveals himself, that God reveals the spiritual realm, that God reveals his spiritual law. It's, it's, in, this, it's in this cast, if you will, of the prophets that God speaks to his people. And of course, Moses is the, is, is the highest of all the prophets. And Moses said, there's another one coming. Um, you need to listen to, he's going to be like me and you need to listen to him. Now I want to point out really quick that even though, uh, it's a singular here in the Hebrew and we translate it correct, correctly. Uh, the translators get it correct. I should say the Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet singular from among your own people like myself. Now it's pointed out that this could be a reference to a collective singular, 
which means that there is a a group of prophets. It is numerous prophets that God is raising up, and 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 they are like Moses in that they are prophets. They are the messengers of the Lord. They come to reveal the Lord's will to His people. So yes, there will be other prophets, plural. Or if you want to say a collective singular, prophets as a collective singular, like Moses, that's true. All the other prophets, every one of them, are to one degree or another like Moses. But the other side of the coin is, what if Moses is talking about one that will be like him? Because he he truly was significant over and against all the other prophets, right? Think about that. Was there ever a subsequent prophet who was equal to Moses in terms of Moses hearing God's audible voice on a regular basis? He was unique in that sense. Among the prophets, he was unique. No one was like Moses in terms of how God communicated. Not even Isaiah or Jeremiah, Ezekiel, fill in the blank, put your favorite prophet in. No one is equal to Moses. E- even the sages, the commentaries, if you read it, uh, they make they make this point. There's no one been an, an equal to Moses. And, uh, and that what's promised here is a collective group of prophets like Moses, you know, in, in, in one degree or another, but no equal to Moses. Well, I, I would like to say, well, maybe, maybe there has been one. Maybe there's been one that has been even greater than Moses. We'll talk, talk about that in a minute. Let's just establish the uniqueness of Moses. In Numbers chapter 12, uh, verses 4 through 8, it says, uh, and this is, let me give you the context, Miriam and uh, his brother, Aaron have been uh, bringing judgments against Moses, and God has heard uh, these these allegations against Moses. And the Lord is upset with how Miriam and Aaron, Moses's brother and sister, uh, have rose up against him, have brought these accusations against him. And it's because of who Moses is. Listen to this. It says, Suddenly the Lord called to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, uh, to the tent of meeting. So the three of them went out. The Lord came down in a pillar of clouds, stopped at the entrance of the tent, and called out, Aaron and Miriam. The two of them came forward, and he said, Hear these words of mine. When a prophet of the Lord arises among you, I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is trusted throughout my household. In other words, there's something about Moses and his relationship with God that lifted him high above all the other prophets. Verse 8. With him, I speak mouth to mouth. Did you catch that? He doesn't speak in a vision. He doesn't speak in a dream. He actually uses words with Moses. He speaks to him mouth to mouth plainly and not in riddles. In other words, in the occasions that other prophets did hear the word of the Lord, they did not hear it as clear as what Moses heard, nor was the words given to them as clear as what was given to Moses. They, they get it in riddles. 
and mostly in visions and dreams. Not so with Moses. Verse 8, with him I speak mouth to mouth, plainly, not in riddles, and he beholds the likeness of the Lord. In other words, he sees the Lord. I mean, I, you know, the, I, I mean, that's beyond our comprehension, really. It's stated. It is what it is. We can't really understand fully what that means. But suffice it to say, he speaks with Moses face to face. In fact, in a number of other places, uh, the Tanakh clearly states that Moses and God, when they interacted, it was face to face. So let me read this again in the verse in its entirety. Numbers chapter 12, verse 8. With him I speak mouth to mouth, plainly and not in riddles, and he beholds the likeness of the Lord. How then did you not shrink from speaking against my servant, Moses? Yeah, think about that. When you you think of Moses, I want you to think of God speaking to him and him alone, mouth to mouth, face to face. No other prophet could claim that. Now, was there ever a subsequent prophet who was equal to Moses in terms of the signs and wonders that he had performed? Think about that. Not only did God speak to Moses mouth to mouth, face to face, and no other prophet could claim that, he also did miracles on a level that no other prophet did. Moses physically delivered God's people from Egypt with great signs and wonders. Moses led them into a covenant with God on the mountain. Moses gave them manna and water from the rock as they traveled in the desert. Moses spoke the word of the Lord to them. He led them for 40 years with signs and wonders in the desert. Has there ever been a subsequent prophet that was equal to Moses in terms of these signs and wonders. So, as we work down through this, let me just state it again. In thinking over the history of Israel, has there ever been a Jewish prophet in her history that would parallel Moses' fame? This is an important question for us. Because who, who, whoever it is, were commanded by Moses to listen and obey him. In fact, God is commanding us through Moses to listen and obey him. So a second time in this Torah portion, God promises that he's going to raise up a prophet like, quote unquote, like Moses. Now that could be a collective uh, singular that would include all the prophets, and on some levels does. Uh, But what about the possibility that there's an equal to Moses that is coming for us to lead us and direct us, or one that's even greater than Moses? Verse 18, here we go again, Deuteronomy 18, 18. I will raise up a prophet for them from among their own people like yourself. I will put my words in his mouth. He will speak to them all that I commanded are all that I command him. Okay. So is there anyone else in Israel's history who does and speaks with the anointing authority and power of a Moses? 
Now, you know where I'm going with this. I know you know where I'm going with this, but just hear me out. There's only one. There's only one. It's indisputable. Jesus, the Jew from Nazareth, a miraculous, a prophesied miraculous conception and birth from the get-go. There is a supernatural outbreaking of the manifest presence of God in even the conception and birth. Jesus does miracles that are far more frequent than Moses could ever have dreamed of. When you look at the life of Jesus, his signs and wonders are just exponentially in terms of how many and how frequent more than Moses could ever dream of. Let me just give you one passage here that describes uh, kind of a day in the life of Jesus. Matthew 4.23, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. That's a snapshot. That's not an anomaly. This is what Jesus is doing on a regular basis. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. It's an amazing, powerful ministry. The manifest presence of God rests and flows through him. And I think it's noteworthy to point out that on one occasion, he miraculously feeds over 5,000 people with only two fish and five loaves of bread. Even when he's finished, he has his disciples go and gather all the, the baskets uh, up from, from what was left over from the, the 5,000 plus people that ate, right? And he filled up 12 baskets, 12 baskets. I just think, you know, all the imagery here of what's being symbolized in these uh, miracles is that there's a new Moses and a reconstitution of of an Israel that that is under Roman domination and doesn't doesn't look like there's much of a future. Even Jesus, when he speaks, the weather systems immediately obey him. Think of the Sea of Galilee and the megastorm that had 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 come upon them. He speaks and and the whole storm obeys and 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 the sea becomes calm. I mean, weather systems obeying his voice. He even walks on water. He raises people from the dead. He even does the three categories of healing that the sages say only the Messiah would and could do. These had never been done in all of Israel's history. They were saying only the Messiah can do these miracles. And and when he comes, he'll do these. So here's the three categories. Healing lepers. If you look at Israel's history, uh, no Jewish lepers were ever healed in Israel's history. So the sages said, well, when Messiah comes, he's actually going to heal lepers. Jesus shows up and he is healing lepers right and left. And then another one is the casting out of a mute demon. 
in Jewish exorcism in the first century uh, and before, uh, the way that Jewish exorcists did their work is they would use the name of God in commanding the demons to, to reveal their names. And in gaining their names, they would then cast demons out of Jewish people. So these Jewish exorcists, mainly up around Galilee in the first century, are using the ineffable name of God to command the demons to speak and to give their names. And then in so doing, they would cast these demons out of of Jewish people. It's amazing when you study what was going on in the first century in Galilee among these very charismatic, uh, um, prophetic uh, rabbis in Galilee. I shouldn't say rabbis in the sense of, of, of... of, you know, the term being used down in Jerusalem. But nonetheless, uh, they were doing these type of works. But none of them could cast the demon out of a person who was mute. Why? Why? Because the demon had control of their vocal box. In other words, they were mute. They couldn't speak. And because they couldn't speak, these miracle-working Jewish uh, uh, um rabbis couldn't cast the demon out because they couldn't get the name. They, they, they couldn't get the name because the demon had control of the vocal box. And so they couldn't cast them out. But the sages said, but when Messiah comes, uh, he won't need to gain their names. He'll be able to discern uh, through, through the power of the Spirit the demon itself and be able to cast it out. And sure enough, what does Jesus do? He casts out death mute demons from Jewish people, doing, of course, that which only he himself could do. No one had ever done this before. Jesus does it. And then also, no one ever born blind in Israel, no Jewish person born blind in Israel was ever healed in all of Israel's history. But the sages said when Messiah comes, he will heal even those born blind. And what does Jesus do? We have the account of him healing a person that was born blind, a person that the whole community knew. They knew this this person who was born blind, and 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 I forget how old he was. He was he was significant in terms of years. And uh, Jesus comes along, and Jesus heals him. Does the third messianic miracle. In addition to the messianic miracles, Jesus goes on to institute the new covenant that Jeremiah prophesied was coming. He gives up his own life on the cross as a substitutionary, sacrificial atonement for the sin of the world, and through his death ratifies and inaugurates the long-awaited new covenant. Just like Moses, he institutes a new covenant for the people of Israel. In his death, he then is buried. His spirit descends into the realm of the dead, and he takes the authority back from Satan, who usurped it through Adam and Eve's sin, and then delivers all the believers from the clutches of the God of the underworld. He then rises from the dead on the third day, and 40 days later ascends into heaven to be anointed by God as King of kings and Lord of lords. Ten days later at Shavuot, he sends the Holy Spirit of God to live in and empower all who believe in him. That's Acts chapter 2. Later, Jerusalem falls as he prophesied it would. You know, he prophesied decades earlier that Jerusalem's going to fall because it rejected him as the second 
and greater Moses. Israel is scattered to the nations because as a nation she rejected her king in the day of his visitation. Since then, billions among the nations, billions have recognized him as the second and greater Moses. Today alone, there's well over 2 billion people living currently who believe he is the second and greater Moses. Today, Christianity has and is recognizing that he, Jesus, was and remains Jewish. As a result, Christianity is now turning to radically support Israel and her right to exist and thrive in her own promised land, free of harassment from others. Think about it. Largely due to America's Judeo-Christian heritage, Israel was rescued from Hitler's agenda of, of genocide and then given the power and authority through the United Nations to return to her promised land. Even our president, President Donald J. Trump, moved our embassy, the superpower of the world, moved our embassy to the astonishment of the nations to Jerusalem. Israel has recognized in him a new and second Cyrus. <laughs> They've even minted a coin. Think about that. They've minted a coin with him and Cyrus on the front of it. I've got one of those coins. I have it. I look at it almost every day. I'm just amazed at all that's coming to pass as a result of Jesus the Messiah. Now I'm telling you the truth. I, I am. This is, this is the truth I want you to, to really think about. Moses was and remains great. Moses' fame was and remains great, but his successor, Jesus, Son of God, is even greater. He is the consummate Moses of all time, as prophesied by Moses under the influence of God himself. Think about that. Now, Moses says concerning this one that's coming after him, who is like him, he says, if anybody, verse 18 of Deuteronomy chapter 18, I'm sorry, verse 19 of Deuteronomy 18, Moses goes on to say, if anybody fails to heed the words he speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. God is speaking through Moses. He's saying, you better listen to the second Moses, just like you were supposed to listen to the first Moses. You better listen to the second one, because I'm going to hold you accountable to that. So in closing, I just want to say, have you confessed and embraced Jesus as the second and greater Moses? Are you listening and applying his words to your life? The Father will hold all of us accountable for our acceptance or rejection of Jesus as the second and greater Moses. Now, I know some of you are ready to, to not only recognize, but confess and embrace Jesus as the second Moses. Some of you are ready to do that. And so for those that are ready, I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer in which you can do that right now. So just pray. Pray with me. Pray this prayer of confession. Embrace Jesus as the second and greater Moses. Ready? Just repeat these words after me. Father, 
I now see that Jesus is the second and greater Moses, the very one you promised you would send to us. I confess and I embrace Jesus of Nazareth as the second and greater Moses. I purpose to read and meditate on his words. And I will, by your Holy Spirit, obey his teachings, for his words are your words to me, to Israel, and to the nations. Thank you, Jesus. You are the second and greater Moses. It's in your name that I pray these words to my Father in heaven. Amen. Well, that concludes our program for this week. A special thanks to our great King Yeshua, the Messiah, and to you, our listeners and supporters for making this podcast possible through your prayers and financial giving. Thank you. Know that in your prayers and giving, you're partnering with us as we advance the kingdom of Messiah in Israel, the United States, and throughout the world. We are a highly rated and listened to Messianic podcast on iTunes under the category of Judaism. Subscribe now, pray with us, give financially, and share the vision and power of this podcast with everyone you know. If you have time, check out all of our social media at graftedin.com. Baruch Hashem. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm your host, Pastor Mark, and until our next show, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua, the Messiah. Shalom. Torah Talk has been brought to you by The Harvest, a Messianic Charismatic Congregation located at 8891 Hose Boulevard in Thornton, Colorado. Your host has been Pastor Mark McClellan. Join us for Sabbath services at 1 p.m. next Saturday afternoon. For more information, please call us at 303-761-9948 or visit our website at www.graftedin.com. God bless you and shalom.